And good morning, everyone. Welcome in. Brand new edition of Sports Medicine Weekly on this Saturday morning. I'm Steve Cashel, joined by my usual co-host. He is Dr. Brian Cole, head team physician for the Chicago Bulls, one of the team physicians for the Chicago White Sox, sports medicine specialist, orthopedic surgeon from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. Our website is sportsmedicineweekly.com. How are you, Dr. Cole? Doing great this morning, Steve. Good to see you. Good, good, good. We're going to lead it off with a great guest and... uh, Well, an interesting topic, NFL hip injuries. And uh, our first guest, Dr. Shane No, one of your uh, cohorts at Sports uh, sports Medicine Surgeon from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. And he is um, really, uh, his practice focused on sports medicine and arthroscopic treatment of the hip, shoulder, and the knee. He's also the director of the Hip Preservation Center at Rush University Medical Center. And we thought we'd get into a little bit about the the Alabama quarterback injury, right? That's probably the biggest injury in college football this year, uh, Alabama's quarterback, Tua uh, Tango Viola. And, uh, boy, that was – what are we calling it, a fracture? Well, the, so, yeah, so it's, a, it's, it's an awful injury uh, on many levels. You know, where the time it happened in the game, um, there's, there's – there's, when you look at this injury, there are – uh, questions about, you know, should he have been playing? And that's armchair quarterbacking. And then there are issues pertaining to how rare in, uh, an injury like this actually is. These are things that we see what we call a posterior hip fracture dislocation, and we'll let uh, Shane explain it. But these are things we typically see in motor vehicle accidents when someone is going to rear end something or a, a stationary object at a very high speed, they put their foot out, extended and hip flexed, and the hip gets dislocated, comes out of the sock and goes out the back. It's an awful, awful injury. So it's extraordinarily rare. And then there are the issues pertaining to what's going to happen going forward because these have uh, sometimes a very precarious natural history in terms of what might or could happen downstream. Main question being, will this athlete ever get back to play? And if he does, what's the predictability of it? So it has a a, a lot of really important topics embedded in it. So I'm glad we have Shane on this morning to to help us walk through this. Okay, so Dr. Shane No, MOR, thanks so much for for being with us here and leading us off on Sports Medicine Weekly. Um, Can you kind of take us through what a fractured dislocation of the hip is? Sure. So, well, thanks, uh, Steve and uh, Brian, for having me on this morning. Uh, this is a very uh, interesting and timely topic, uh, given the significance of the injury and, and obviously the significance of the, the player as well as a future um, top draft pick for the upcoming NFL. Uh, but as Brian alluded to, hip dislocations are extremely, extremely rare. Uh, they don't happen very commonly. Uh, it's not like a shoulder. The hip is inherently stable. Uh, just to kind of bring the audience up to speed, the hip is a ball and socket joint, but the ball and socket is much more constrained than the than the shoulder, um, and so it's not very common that a native hip would dislocate. And in in uh, general, it takes high energy injuries for these to dislocate. So as Brian alluded to, the most common scenario that we see dislocations are from like dashboard injuries from a motor vehicle accident, cars going at high speed. Your dash, your knee hits the dashboard, and it basically pushes pushes the hip out of the back of the uh, pushes the ball of the hip out of the socket in the back. Um, and when you watch the the replays on this injury, it, it, essentially a similar sort of thing happened to Tua, in that when he fell on the on the ground, his knee hit the turf with the two 
other players on top of him, creating that, that high-energy force to basically generate the hip, basically getting pushed out the back of the, of the socket. Um, now, while the hip dislocated, because it was happened so traumatically, it actually fractured a portion of the posterior wall or the back wall. So, you know, I, I want the, the listeners to think of this more as a dislocation than as a fracture, but obviously it's a fracture dislocation because not only did it dislocate, but it also brought a portion of the socket uh, was, was cracked as, as a result of it. And so uh, there, there are a couple concerns uh, with these injuries. One is that because it's so rare, uh, when the injury is, uh, occurs, that there could be uh, also injury to the blood supply to the femoral head. And so if the blood supply is compromised, there's a high risk of what we call avascular necrosis, where essentially if, you know, just like in any part of the body, if you, if you cut off the blood supply, that area that the blood is going to can, can then die. Uh, now, one of the, the most significant risk factors for AVN is the time in which the hip is reduced. Now, thankfully, the medical staff was phenomenal, and they reduced this, I, I believe, um, in the training room. I mean, yeah, that's what, that's, that's I, I'm not sure about that. I've heard mixed uh, sort of information on it, but let's talk about that for a second. You know, these are these kinds of injuries. Shoulder dislocation is one thing, but what's your sense? Would you know? We don't. We do have X-ray available, but you oftentimes know exactly what happened. But one would think that they'd get a quick flora scan or an X-ray to show what happened. And then we would try to pull it and put it back into place. And you get a guy who's very muscular. Have you? I've I've never had to reduce a hip closed uh, with the fracture dislocation. Have you done it? Um, not a not a native hip. Not a native hip. Just a an artificial hip. Yeah. So but, it's really got to be tough. Like I had one interesting. I was a visiting professor at the University of Pittsburgh, and there were they were practicing and. I don't want to tell you how it happened, but it wasn't during practice. And one of the guys dislocated his knee. And we didn't, you know, we, the, so what we often do is we try to get that relocated. And we pulled and we could not. The guy, some of these guys are so muscular, we just could not get it reduced. And we had to get him to the emergency room for sedation. So I would imagine it's technically and uh, the pain would make it very difficult to get the hip back into place. But what do we, let's, what do we know about the time factor? I know it's critical because that's when the blood supply is probably threatened, when it's sitting out of the socket. Also, the nerves get compressed and so forth. So the risk goes up, I imagine, proportional to the amount of time it's out. Is there, I don't know if you'll even know the answer is, is there any data that tells us about how the length of time is it, has a net effect on the downstream consequences of, of a dislocation like this? Yes. I mean, the, 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 the golden hour is thought to be within six. So within six hours, the risk of AVN is about 5%. Uh, if greater than six, the risk of AVN can be as high as 25%. Yeah, so I think we could safely say that this was probably put in well before six hours. So that's so is that the downstream uh, effect? They say it's about a 5% incidence of avascular necrosis? Correct. Okay. Correct. And, and if he develops that, then he would sustain essentially a similar prognosis as Bo Jackson did when right. He, it's a Bo Jackson hip, but that's but then the other thing is that if he were to get it, you know, and doesn't sound like there's a high probability, so that's when the blood supply. Let's just clarify, Steve. So that avascular necrosis, that's what Bo Jackson had. That's when the blood supply to the head of the hip uh, is compromised and it essentially dies. But it dies over time. It's a stage, a series of stages where it will collapse over time. So Shane, I imagine that if it did happen, it would be a slow. Thing that would develop years down the road, 
Is that fair to say? Uh, yes, although it, it, in some cases it could happen, you know, I think in the short term, and in other cases it could be five, ten years down the line. Um, so it, it's always kind of looming in the background as far as is this a possibility. But if if they did reduce it as, as soon as it's been reported, uh, then that would be that worst case scenario goes down to five percent. Got it. So what what's the treatment? Why don't we go over? Uh, you know, so I I just want to you know let everyone know who we're who we're talking to. Uh, we're speaking with my partner uh, Shane No, who's uh, the director of our Hip Preservation Center. So Shane is a sports medicine specialist like myself, but he has a very unique area of expertise. And I, you know, Shane, I'm not going to make you blush, but I mean, I would have to say you are clearly one of the top two or three hip specialist for non-hip replacement, but the sports or the athlete's hip. So you are my go-to for any athlete I see who has a hip problem. These are typically younger patients who don't need a hip replacement, but have a very significant injury like a labral tear and things of that nature. So um, I'm glad we have you on the show this morning because you're the only person I trust to ask some of these questions because we don't, none of us want to sensationalize it. This is a tough injury. Uh, we really want the facts. What's the, what, what, what was done uh, most likely to, to, to repair this? Um, yeah, so let's. Uh, I, I think there's, uh, in terms of treatment, there's obviously short-term issues and long-term. And so the, the short-term, obviously, immediate dislocation. Oftentimes, they'll get a CT scan to make sure that there's you know no remaining either uh, fragments within the joint that might necessitate uh, uh, more immediate concerns. Um, but um, as far as what we can tell, uh, once it's reduced and the fracture is sort of the only issue going on. Uh, then in, in most cases, actually, a traumatologist who specializes in pelvic and acetabular fractures uh, is the person that would fix it. Uh, and essentially, they would um, you know, do an open approach, and they would take the fragment. Now, we don't really have many details as far as the size of the fragments and how many fragments and so forth. Hopefully, it's a pretty decent size because uh, the bigger it is, uh, the, the better fixation you can get to it. You know, it's no different than a bony bank card. I mean, you've got some where you've got big pieces, and there are other ones where it's just kibbles and bits. Um, and as long as it's a substantial piece, usually the bone has a good capacity to heal itself. Got it. Good stuff, Dr. No. We are out of time. Uh, by the way, Dr. Shane No, you can find him on Instagram at Chicago Hip Doc, D O C, and uh, website. Shane, S-H-A-N-E. The last name is spelled N-H-O, and then it's MD.com. So Shane, no, MD.com. You're the best, Dr. No. I appreciate it, and uh, thanks for joining us here on this Saturday morning, Sports Medicine Weekly. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. All righty. We've got to take a break. When we come back, it's our Ask the Doctor segment, where you get a chance to ask the doctor a segment. We'll tell you how you can get involved. And I've got some great questions this week for Dr. Cole. So stay with us. It's Sports Medicine Weekly, only on 670 The Score.